Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guest navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of Truer Love Stories. It's May 2022, and I don't know. I don't know if it's because Omicron and the pandemic have wound down and life is starting to feel a little more normal again, or if it's just because it's May and it's springtime that I'm just feeling very hopeful and it just feels like a, a positive time, a time of rebirth that I think we all really could use. So I hope that you are in that space. And if you're not, that my saying that is kind of sprinkling you with that energy and getting you in that headspace. Today's episode is really in that vein of rebirth, in that theme. My guest is the first dismissive avoidant person that I will have interviewed on this podcast. And her episode this month is such a good illustration of what we've been talking about so far this month along the lines of what it's really like to be an avoidant person and what that experience is like. You know, there are a lot of people just like my guest today who have more avoidant tendencies and who are looking at themselves and trying to grow right alongside the rest of us. But by and large, it is a lot of times secure and very much anxious people who are trying to move along that path to being more secure. And in that situation, I think a lot of the time in the attachment world, sometimes avoidant people get a bad rap. And I heard that on a podcast I was listening to recently, an awesome podcast that I know I just keep talking about. Mark Groves, he's a dating coach. His podcast and his company is called Create the Love. And recently they had an awesome episode on attachment theory in the nervous system that I put in my newsletter this week. And I'm talking about it here too, because I think Sarah Baldwin, who's his guest on that show, does such a good job of really breaking down why attachment is related to our bodies, why it is a biological piece of who we are as humans and as mammals. She talks about in the episode how even animals, all mammals, have attachment styles. You probably notice that in your pets sometimes. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And being an anxious avoidant person herself as a child due to some childhood trauma, she really speaks well to the fact that, you know, avoidant people want love too. And they are having their own internal experience trying to understand what they're doing. And a lot of times, and I know I've noticed it in my own rhetoric too sometimes, when us anxious people are talking about avoidant people, we're coming from a triggered space. And I think sometimes that can come off as a negative connotation when we're you know, working through this process of being triggered and being reactive and trying to navigate how we feel. And the truth is that we probably have been hurt and traumatized to a certain extent by certain avoidant tendencies. And so we're very sensitive to them. And that is definitely a piece of being an anxious person is we have a sensitivity to us and we can internalize and take things personally. And that's not to say we're wrong. It's just that is our real lived in experience. And avoidant people are having their own very real lived in experience. And all of this work is just about understanding 
those things and how they are similar and how they're different and how we can get them to work in harmony by each of us looking at ourselves and where we come from and how we're made up, you know, how our intellectual, emotional, spiritual, philosophical, and definitely physical parts all come together to create our identities and to understand ourselves and understand ourselves in relation to another person and other people. So I think this particular episode is so insightful for me as someone, you know, who has been anxiously attached all her life to really get a glimpse into what goes through an avoidant person's mind and body when they are struggling with wanting to be vulnerable and wanting to commit and not knowing quite how or how to trust their feelings. So whether you are someone who does identify with being avoidant sometimes with using those kind of deactivating strategies where you're trying to push people away, I hope you feel seen and you feel heard and understood. And if you're someone like me who's a little more on the anxious side of the spectrum or even secure, and you have always wondered, you know, what is wrong with me? Why is this person acting this way? I hope that this is proof and evidence for you of why that story is not true, because what's really going on is so specific to that avoidant person. And it oftentimes doesn't even have to do with you at all. So whoever you are and whatever you identify with, I hope this episode speaks with you and lands with you. If you have any comments or questions, I always love to hear them. And with that said, let's hear what our guest has to say. Thank you so much for being here. I know last time we spoke, there was a lot going on in your life a lot of big decisions that you were working your way through. So, you know, just for our listeners, I'll recap a little that you and your boyfriend have been on and off again for a couple years or so. And you've kind of gone through this same cycle before where he wants to move in and you don't feel ready. And now it's happened again. He's bought a home. You're supposed to move in like, I don't know, yesterday? And, (laughs) (laughs) And so now you're debating kind of where you're at. You're kind of nervous, it sounds like, to move forward. So do you want to catch us up? Let us know where you are right now with it all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when we caught up, I was kind of tossing up this decision of, well, if I move into this essentially a family home, then that sort of ticking all these extra boxes of it's not just a home that you're moving into, it's committing to a family and all of these things. And I was like, oh God, that's a lot of pressure. And so on the flip side of that, then it's like, well, you either move into this home or essentially have to live on friends' couches and have to find really quickly somewhere else to live. So it, again, didn't just feel like I was having to make this decision of, just moving in it felt like all these other extra factors and so I think just my normal mode of operation is just just kind of seeing what happens like I (laughs) I feel like I didn't really make much of an actual set decision we just kind of kept going through the motions and just kept moving forward and so I was like okay my partner and I had this discussion about where things were and almost the outcome of that was like, well, maybe this just isn't right, but we didn't really formally say, okay, we're breaking up. We kind of just had this conversation and then just sort of like got on with our lives. And then next minute I was like, okay, well, I might as well just start moving my stuff in and going forward with it. So 
we've already started to like move into the house. We're meant to officially move in in like two days. So that's kind of just where things have ended up. It's not even like it was an active decision. It's just like, all right, well, let's get ahead with this. And at the time, I feel like that we first spoke and I was talking to a friend about this. At times, I feel like I kind of go through these moments where I'm like peaking and everything is like perfect. And I'm like, I could picture a a family with this fellow and I love my life and this is a perfect relationship. And then I kind of go down into this other side where I'm like, well, this isn't what I want and I don't want to be here and I'm not ready for all this. And so I feel like depending on the day that you catch me, I might either be up high loving life or I might be down in the dumps. And I feel like oftentimes when I get down in that place, I forget about the high spot. And yeah, I was joking to my friend the other day. I was like, I really need to like (laughs) write myself a note or like write a voice memo when I'm there to be like, this feeling isn't going to be there forever. So I feel like when we caught up, I was like in that, (laughs) in the down spot where I was like, nah, I'm just going to, we're going to have to break up and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I feel like we're on a high. You're catching me on a good day and things have been going well. (laughs) Well, maybe that'll be good. Uh, for this in a way. I am curious because on our pre-call, we talked a lot about how there's a theme for you with this stuff. And and all of that that you just said also is very helpful, kind of describing it as depends on the day. Everything goes by your mood. You kind of go with the flow versus making a solid decision. So that's interesting to me. And it, you know, brings me back to what we had talked about on the call where you used the word feeling suffocated more than once. So I'm imagining that's a word that you associate with your downside, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe you feel that way more when you're feeling the low. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say the word suffocated, but maybe more like constricted or confined, like feeling sort of predefined milestones of where things are meant to be going. And like, I'm kind of on that path without making that decision to be there. So like the set milestones of like settling down, having kids, buying a house, having babies, having more babies and then blah, blah, blah. And yeah, the idea of just kind of like being put on that path without knowing whether that's what I actually want or whether it's just because that's the things that we're meant to do. And yeah, sometimes that constriction feels like really icky and a bit like, oh, this doesn't feel nice versus so many of my friends are like, well, this is all I want. I just want to settle down. And oh my God, I can't picture my life without getting married. And what ring do you want? And I'm like, a fucking ring. Like, what? why are you showing me your Pinterest boards? Like, that doesn't <laughs> interest me whatsoever about a ring. Like, what are you talking about? That's, yeah. So that's sometimes how it feels. Okay. Okay. That's very helpful to know. And I want to note this and reflect it back to you that what you just said was that you feel sometimes you're on this path towards all these things without making the decision about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, you just mentioned a bit ago that you go with the flow a lot and kind of end up in situations (laughs) without making a decision. super contradictory (laughs) because it's like, and I can't remember what I'll say it to you or somebody else, but my partner is just so clear with what he wants. Like he is just like, I want this, I want that, this is what I want. And it's like, well, I don't have that clearly defined vision of my future and he does. So of course it makes logical sense if I'm a bit wishy-washy that we do go on that path because at least there's some direction there. Like that makes sense 
but you know, it's so easy for me to define all the things that I don't want, but ask me to list the things that I do want. And we'd probably just have crickets and silence for like five minutes when I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. So it's to me, that makes logical sense. Right. Right. Absolutely. It does. And it makes sense too, that the very thing you resist doing on a daily basis you're resisting in life, right? Like you're oh, resisting yeah. making the decision just in the microcosm of yes. daily life. Yeah. So of course it's hard to make it in the macrocosm of yes. us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Stuff, right? Yeah, totally. And I think that for you, it's it's going to really help to zero in on the minutia of daily stuff mm-hmm. uh, and try to work on being more present mm-hmm. because oftentimes we ruminate on big picture things out of a lack of control right now. Mm, You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that fuels a lot of your anxiety about things. And I think that it probably stems from you having an avoidant attachment style, which Mm. we have discussed a little bit on the pre-call. And based Mm. on the things that you mentioned to me about your boyfriend, it sounds like he has more of an anxious attachment style. Mm. Which are you familiar with kind of the characteristics of both of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say he would definitely be, yeah, more of the secure slash anxious. I feel like at times he's very, very secure. And, you know, I wouldn't just totally say that he's like 100% anxious. Okay, okay. Do you feel like he gets nervous or I don't want to say needy, but do you feel like he's like needing things from you that you can't give? Yes. Yeah. So I think a key example is he did away work for a while. And sometimes I would just like forget that we hadn't spoken in like a day or so. And then that he would get super upset that he's like, well, sometimes it just feels like you're not stressed whether we talk or not. I'm like, well, sometimes I just, I I forget, like, it's not always on the top of my radar. And he's just like, you know, I want to be around you. I want to be touching you. I want to like be talking to you. Like he loves like physical affection. And then some days I'm just like, it's just, it's sometimes it's like not even on my radar. Like I just totally forget, not because I don't want to be loving and affectionate, but I'm just like, oh, like, sorry. (laughs) Right. Right. It's because you're not in the way of operating through your emotions, I think, in the same way that he is. So yes, yeah. whether he he does sound like he has, has some security, whether he's secure, anxious, we don't need to label him, but mm. we know he's not avoidant, right? Yes. And so <laughs> it's yes. only important to note that because it relates to your dynamic. Yes, and yeah. it actually makes a lot of sense that he's someone who likes to talk through decisions, sees his future, knows what he wants because as either of those attachment styles, whether secure or anxious, it sounds like he's more in touch with his emotions based yeah, on what yeah. you have said. Yeah. And and that's not a good or a bad thing, right? Like this work isn't to shame anyone or say good or bad or this or that. It's more to understand where our own feelings are coming from, where our, those thoughts come from that trigger us or make us nervous. Mm-hmm. Because the more awareness we bring to it, obviously, the better we can come from an intentional place where you are making decisions that you feel good about mm-hmm. versus just going with the flow all the time, which in and of itself isn't bad, right? I think more people could go with the flow, <laughs> but I know that it you don't necessarily want to feel that way about your life, right? Because that's just going to mm-hmm. keep creating that same trigger for you if it's not dealt with at the root level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I'm curious, speaking of roots, kind of if you can bring us back a little bit to what your family situation was like when you were growing up in your childhood, who your primary caregivers were, what they were like, kind of those details. 
Mm. So I don't have super specific memories of my childhood, but it, I had my mum and my dad were together and mum has like jokingly, but been very open of the fact that like she met my dad, she fell pregnant and then they just decided to work it out from there. But they met when my dad had had two previous marriages and my mum had one previous marriage and then they got together. My mum fell pregnant very quickly. And so they just decided to stay together to raise my sister, my older sister. And then a few years later they had me. And so, yeah, mum has jokingly been like, we, we, we didn't stay together because we were in love. Like we just had shared values and wanted to stick it out sort of thing. And so it was just my older sister and me together. And we lived like on a rural farm. We didn't, I don't really have a lot of memories of like, you know, having like a lot of other sort of social supports around like all our family lived like we were the our only family in the small town that we lived in and then we eventually moved to like a bigger city and like me and my sister we're a few years apart but I think we're quite different so we were never super close and I think I clashed a lot with my mum can't remember why specifically I think it was just a teenage thing I love my family because they're my family, but we're not super close. Like now we might talk maybe once every few weeks, like maybe. And like with my sister, you know, when I reach out to her or I go visit her, that might be, you know, we might catch up maybe once every few months sort of thing. Like we've never been a really tight knit family versus yeah on the flip side I speak with my partner's family every single day we see a member of his family if not every day every second day like they're so tight and yeah I probably would even say I'm a lot closer with his parents and his family than I have ever been with my own. Okay that makes sense because there was no one it sounds like or at least to your memory and you know if you still have relationships with your family to some degree maybe you can speak to it you know, in the present tense also, but that mm. there wasn't a lot of encouragement of emotional sharing, it sounds like, or like closeness. <laughs> you know, I really struggled with, like, I don't even go to call it depression now, even though I was absolutely on the brink of suicide, but it was always your suffering is not enough. Like, we suffered more. Mm. You're not allowed to be sad. Um, you're not allowed to even be angry. Like you have to be appreciative. You have to be happy. Like you're not allowed to have any other experience because those experiences are reserved for mom and dad because they had it worse and they would not intentionally, but particularly my mom would regularly tell me like, why are you sad? She would see that I'd cut myself and she's like, that's not bad enough. Like, that's just, you know, that's child's play sort of thing. Does it make sense to you that, like, if you're told from the time you're a child that you're not entitled to your emotions, Mm. right? You're not allowed to be sad. You're not allowed to complain. Push that shit down, you Mm. know? Why it might be so hard for you to feel your feelings today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been working on it for years. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, even now, like, I'm laughing and I can feel, like, tears literally sitting in my throat but my I just I can feel automatically it just shut down like I just can feel it being like no that's not there that's not allowed to happen I can just literally I know and it's been something I'm working on for years but literally from my neck down like you could ask me like what do you feel in your body and I'd be like sweet fuck all like and I'm a yoga teacher so I'm (laughs) I'm working on this like every day and I'm like 
fucking, I, I don't know, like there's things there, but like ask me where love sits. And I would be like, I don't know what that feels like. I would have no idea where in my body that emotional feeling sits. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. And if you're not connected to your emotions, right, it makes sense that all your decision-making is going to be in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and when we get in our head, if we're disconnected from how we feel about things, mm-hmm. then it's just a bunch of like logic and questioning, like, is this the better decision? Is this the right choice? Do you find yourself in that headspace? Yeah. And I'll even say, like, I know at times I've said to my partner at the end of a long day, I'm like, don't ask me to make any more decisions. Cause I am like, so like I'm mentally exhausted at the end of a work day from just making so many basic decisions yeah. that like even being like, well, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, oh, like I'm like <laughs> just too much. Yeah. Cause you're so overstimulated in your head mm. about like, you've basically turned to intellectualizing things to be your mm. way of making decisions and moving mm. through the world. Right. Which yeah. is probably why you're quick to want to go with the flow because then you don't have to make those decisions. Right. Yes, totally. Yeah. And we need our feelings to know what we want. Like it's a part of a system. Like the intellectual stuff is important. Like we don't want to just be willy nilly going off all our unregulated reactive emotions. Right. Mm. But to know what we want in life, a lot Mm. of it has to do with knowing how we feel about things. Right. I'm glad to hear that you've done a lot of that work with people, but like to really like lean in to that feeling when you feel it in your throat and your body, you know, Mm. which I know is, probably easier said than done because you would have done it by now if it was that easy but but like almost like what can you do in your head and in your body to allow it and I guess it's also wondering like is there anything you can access and and it's okay if you can't but when you feel that in your throat there like can you sense the energy that's like about to shut it down Hmm. like is there something you can say to that energy like no it's okay like Hmm. it's safe to feel these feelings. My mom's not here. There's no one here who's going to tell me not to, Mm. you know, like some self-soothing you can do. You know, I know you might not be able to answer that question now, but I'd be curious to know kind of if you can, can access like, what is the exact fear? Cause I'm guessing it's fear there Mm. of what will happen to you if you lean into that feeling. Can Mm. you articulate that at all? Two of the things that often stops me is like, well, I don't have time. Like I have shit to do. (laughs) I I don't have time to feel this because that's going to be maybe like 10 minutes, (laughs) God forbid, out of my day. Like I got to get on with things. And the other side of that is like, well, because this never comes up when I'm by myself because I keep myself so busy. So it often, these feelings only come up around or with other people. And if I don't feel like that other person has the capacity or the understanding or if it's not the right container, if I let that out and then the other person says or does something even so small, Mm -hmm. immediately it's shut down. Like, so it's just like, if I can't, you know, if this isn't the right container, then this just has to be bottled up and I'll deal with it some other time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Like the time thing, the being busy, it's all just to keep you from feeling your emotions. And that makes so much sense that with other people, there's such sensitivity because you have been told all your life, it's not safe to share your emotions, Mm -hmm. right? Like even, 
And, you know, I will say avoidance a lot of the time comes from emotional neglect or abuse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know your mom very well, but I can tell you that her telling you that your cutting yourself wasn't bad enough in my mind, is a form of emotional abuse, if not slightly physical, because she's letting her child continue to do that and, like, almost challenging you to do more. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just naming that for you in the sense that, like, it was severe. Like, it has to be severe for you to have such deep-rooted, like, fear to express yourself, you know? So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you have to really, 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 really trust the person, like you said, the container that you're going to share your emotions with, right? Mm -hmm. And that's true probably for all of your relationships, whether Mm -hmm. it's romantic or not, but especially in your romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I want to bring back for you is that I think that is the real fear more Mm -hmm. than the family stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And especially coming from a family where you didn't feel close of course, there that always also makes sense that like, I don't know that I want this thing because I only now with my boyfriend am seeing a family that's close and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. How could you have wanted it before if it wasn't made to be something that you knew what it felt like or saw the perks of, you know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of, I would say probably just a distant idea in your head when you think about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. And I was even just like, why do people even want to get married? Like, why do people even want to have kids? Like, that just doesn't compute in my head. Like, I was just like, I don't find, like, what what am I missing here? Because, right. like, part of me is like, well, what I see on TV and what I see in media, it has to be fake. And it's because you have no ground for relating to what that might feel like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's all intellectualized for you, like everything else, right? Like, you're trying mm. to understand it from this mental space mm. and that's not where the desire for people to be close comes from. It comes from a feeling space, Hmm. you know? And I'm guessing that you've had some level of that feeling of closeness with your boyfriend or you wouldn't be with him, right? Hmm. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, and especially being around his secure and close family, right? Like you've started to understand that. And so it seems to me that's why you're sticking with it, right? Hmm. But I think it's having more connection to what you want on a moment to moment basis to start like really continuing to work with that person that you're working with and like leaning into letting yourself feel again, mm-hmm. which is going to be a lifelong practice. It's not like you're going to do it for a month and be like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get married. But maybe it'll help you to, to know that it's more that daily 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right. Of crying, of letting yourself cry, which I don't know if you've ever actually done. Have you? Like, just let myself sit and cry. Yeah. But I'm talking about specifically Mm. when you said, I'm sitting here right now, I could feel it building in my chest and my throat. Mm. I'm talking about in those moments, you know? Like, Mm. because I'm very curious, like, and I, again, I don't know if you can articulate what the fear is there, because it's probably Mm. just a feeling, but it's, I think, asking yourself, like, what is the worst that could happen if I actually let myself cry right now? I'm just curious in terms of just going forward, like, what is that fear? And 
is the fear that you're not going to be loved, that, that you're going to be shamed because your mom shamed you for having feelings, like that something's wrong with you, that you're going to explode and all the feelings are going to pour out and you're never going to be able to put them back in. I don't know if you ever watched Friends, but there's an episode when Bruce Willis is one of the guest stars <laughs> and he's like a very stoic man and Jennifer Aniston's character, Rachel, is dating him. And she's like poking at him, trying to figure out, was there anything sad that happened in your childhood? And she pokes at him and pokes at him. And finally he starts crying and like he doesn't, stop and now he's like this crybaby and she's like I should have never I should have just like kept it in you know like like and I, yeah. I know I'm making it a joke but it's like is that the fear is that the fear that you're going to mm. be weak or that you're gonna you know let yourself go into a space that you can't come back from and lose all control because the fear usually in avoidant people is this fear of vulnerability mm. of I'm gonna trust you with something like in the context of other people obviously if you're sitting there by yourself it's coming from, I think, being told that you you can't express yourself, that something's wrong with you if you're going to express yourself, right? Or you're not mm-hmm. entitled to, you're ungrateful. All these kind of limiting beliefs or stories that maybe you subconsciously have been telling yourself all your life mm-hmm. about your deservingness to feel your feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. But whatever it was, you received the message, it's not safe to do that. It's not safe to share my feelings, mm-hmm. even by yourself, right? So then when you're with someone else, I imagine the fear is a little bit like they're going to either reject me or like, like, I don't know if you ever feel this, like that something's wrong with you or you're defective in some way because you can't access your emotions. Do you ever feel Mm. that way? No, I don't think so. I think, and it's, it's not like I feel like somebody would judge me because I'm just sort of thinking about the times. Mm -hmm. To be honest, there's only two people that I actually have ever really gotten like emotional with being my partner and my best friend. Mm-hmm. My best friend, I know that it's like I can bring anything to her and we can be like we can really support each other in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just like probably this idea of being misunderstood. So like for example, the times that you know, I have as an adult gone to say my sister or my mum and tried to bring up something that might be a bit tender, they would either, you know, brush it off or not really understand where I'm coming from or not really like respond in a nourishing way. So a lot of the times I feel like it's just practical. It's like, well, you know, I can't be bothered both being in my emotional state as well as being in my logical state and trying to help somebody know how to nurture me. Like right. that feels so effortful to be like, I I feel this way, but also this is how I need, like having to coach somebody in the moment. And the only reason that I go to my best friend. And when I say go to her, I've only ever cried with her once. If that, I think it was like a half cry. (laughs) And I just know that I don't have to tell her what to do. Like knowing that there's somebody who is so in tune with their own emotions. So they have the kind of like that felt sense of how to hold the container. And then my partner, has been a lot of trial and error (laughs) and still like 
just being like, I don't need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I don't need you to give me good advice. I don't need you to do anything. Like you, I could literally just sit there and you can just give me a hug and that's it. Like, I don't need anything else because I can, once I express this and I get this out, then I know I'm good to go. Like, it's not like I need to dwell on this or anything like that. So I think it's more, not like a fear that because I've worked really hard to be like, my emotions are valid. And I know that it is okay for me to experience these things, even though it is hard to actually translate that logic to an actual like experience of being like, I know it's okay to feel angry, but I still mightn't let myself get angry. I feel like that's definitely forever a work in progress, but it's more that sense of like, well, if I do let these emotions come up, is it going to be within an arena that I know I'm not going to shut down again because I feel misunderstood? Got it. So your mom and your sister, it makes sense to me that they're not a container for you, right? (laughs) They don't have a capacity to hold your emotions because they (laughs) don't know how to hold their own emotions. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Especially like as an adult, like I just, I feel like I've worked so hard to be like, this has nothing to do with me. Like, it's not because they don't love me. It's like, I know that that is just their experience and that's them. And it has nothing to do with our relationship. Like, yeah, just super compassionate towards them for that as well. Good. That's great. That's awesome. And it's like being able to draw the line. And that's a hard thing to do to like, you know, we're told what love is supposed to look and feel like. And I'd argue that a lot of avoidant people love people without knowing how to show it or hold Mm -hmm. space for them because they weren't taught how to hold space for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so they probably aren't the containers to go to, right? Mm -hmm. Because you need that nourishment to teach you it's safe to do that. And Mm -hmm. so if you go to them and get that response again, it's just going to shut you back into yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I love that you have a best friend you can do that with. And look, it's not just about how often you cry per se, you know, like (laughs) even though I cry like a child, I don't necessarily like, I'm not like running to my friend's houses crying all the time, you know, like, um, (laughs) but, but it isn't, you know, just about crying. It doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. extreme, but it is just kind of delving into what different feelings feel like, you know, like Mm -hmm. what does anger feel like, you know, and maybe it's not something that you're able to access yet, in terms of like being able to express it per se, like you were saying, but Mm -hmm. like, are there signals of things that happen in your body, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, like I believe that when we're angry, sometimes like different people like, or stress, like our jaw can get tense or like some people feel a burning in their arms, you know? So especially as a yoga teacher, that might be like a good way for you to tap into how you're feeling or Mm -hmm. at least start paying attention to it is like, I don't know how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling numb, but like, what is my body telling me? Mm. You know, I don't know. Have you ever tried that before? Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Cause like, this is like a 30 second conversation, right? It's like, yeah, just feel what's in your body. But to do that, it's taken me like five years of like regularly working with somebody. And it, it's just, I just have to laugh now. Cause it's like, it's something that's so simple, but still like, even though I have been actively trying to do that, like it's still so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's going to be a lifelong practice, you know, yeah. but I will say like, it's very rare to, I mean, you're the first 
avoidant person that I've had on my podcast because avoidant people tend to not want to dig into these things as often, right? Because they're trying to not feel their feelings. So know that even if it feels challenging, like you are progressing, even if you can't Hmm. fully sense it, you know, Hmm. the fact that you're like aware of all this and can talk about it as you are and like understand like this person's a safe space, that person's a safe space. Like that's all really good, you know, and Hmm. having secure relationships in your life, because the way that we get, you know, whatever insecure attachment style we have is from having those insecure people in our lives. Right. And so it creates Hmm. these like habitual ways of feeling and thinking it forms our neural pathways in such a way that like, that's how we, we start believing certain things based on that experience with those people. Right. So the way to slowly undo that is to surround yourself with more secure people Hmm. who are going to nourish that side of you, who are going to let you feel safer confiding. Okay. I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode and want to be able to apply the process I use to coach my clients for yourself, that process being learning to identify your needs and speak up for your needs as a way to determine if your partner can meet them, then you may be interested in taking my conscious communication mini course. This two and a half hour course has four short lessons that go in depth with attachment theory and how to use it to communicate most effectively with each style. This means communicating in a way that will either help you get closer to your partner or help you more quickly determine if they're not the right person for you. What I teach in this short course is the foundation of all my coaching work. It's about how to get your needs met so you can have a more satisfying, secure, and lasting relationship. This course is normally $99, but I'm gifting all my podcast listeners $25 off when you use the code COMMUNICATE at checkout. To receive this special gift, just hop on over to my website at truerlove.com, click on the Love Guidance tab, and scroll down to the Conscious Communication mini course. There is so much information packed into this mini course, so if you're interested in learning how I work with my clients, this is the perfect way to start. All right, now that you have all that info, let's get back to today's episode. So I'm curious, like with your partner, you said like it's kind of on and off, Mm -hmm. but you have had moments where you feel safe with him. Mm -hmm. So are there moments where you don't feel like you want to express yourself with him? I suppose just for some context, so we initially got together five years ago and we're together for a short period of time broke up we both did a lot of work in that like that gap of time that year off and now we've been back together for about three years and so I feel like from when we first got together to where we are now like we are both significantly we've worked on ourselves a lot and we've worked like as a couple together as well so some of the things and the cycles that we went through in the first relationship, even though I know we're in a different relationship, I feel like it still has a bit of a flow on effect of we had like the worst communication skills initially. Like we had no idea how to say, you know, I need some space or I need like my partner loves physical touch. So him to be like, well, I need a hug or whatever it is. So instead of communicating what we needed, we just lashed out 
when we were feeling drained and without that. And so even though now I feel like we're working on saying, well, I need this, I need that, and clearly expressing our needs and me kind of unwiring this idea that being needy is a bad thing, Mm -hmm. that safety I feel like is starting to build and particularly in the domain of like our sexual relationship and our sex life, like growing up when I was out of a relationship, like I didn't care who I slept with. Like I loved just being able to, I like I kind of was proud that I was the person who could sleep with somebody and have no emotional connection. Like I would sleep with somebody and be like, oh, I'm not staying the night. Like, oh, I'm going home. I don't want to wake up with you in the morning. Like, ugh, that shows like, Ew, like I'm not that girl. Like, I, and I know there's like so much like internalized like patriarchy, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Like inside to be like, oh, I'm one of the cool girls. Like, blah blah blah. That is so hilarious when I think of it now. <laughs> but like, my sex education was porn, where it was just like this thing that was this physical thing, and it was all about the show, and it had nothing to do with love, and nothing to do with actual intimacy. And now in our relationship, my partner ad adores me and wants to be physically intimate and it's gotten to the point now where I'm just like god I just feel so like um just I can feel my nervous system going into like fight or flight mode when Mm -hmm. he wants to like touch me and all that sort of stuff and that's something that we've been working on for a long time but still is a really tough arena and I know what happens in the bedroom is sort of a reflection of what's happening outside the bedroom and you know like I, I feel like logically I've got a good understanding of you know how we communicate with each other day-to-day is reflected on how we communicate when we're having sex and that sort of thing but I feel like it's it's just a part of our relationship that sometimes feels like it's under the microscope to be like well how can we trying to build safety in such a specific area to be like, there's been times recently where I've like cried when we've had sex and I'm like, that is not allowed in here. Like sex should just be about like the bells and whistles and the fireworks. And like, it is not a place to be feeling anything. Like it should just be the good stuff. And what, like some of the most connected moments I've had with my partner in recent years is where massive feelings of rage and anger and upset come up from sex. And I'm like, the fuck is this doing here? But he has been able to like beautifully hold the space there and just like literally hold me while I'm sobbing. And I'm like, your dick is still in me. I shouldn't be (laughs) crying. Uh, I'm going to stop you there just to say that is exactly when you should be crying. And to me, that is magical. And I think that is the exact medicine that you need. But it's so scary because I know know. I avoid it like the fucking plague. Like I love my boyfriend and I want to be like, want, if I could pay a million dollars for somebody to be like, I'm going to give you this pill and you're going to want to be physically intimate with your partner because that is his bloody top 100% love language, I would take that pill in a heartbeat and be poor for the rest of my life because I'm like, I want I want that. That's how like, much you love him. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever told him that exact thing? <laughs> no. I honestly would encourage you to tell him that. I think that oh, would make God. him feel so good inside. <laughs> know that yeah. like 
you actually want that as a person because you love yeah. him that much. Mm. But this is part of the avoidant attachment style. It's the, mm. the not wanting to get close because hormonally as a human, you will feel things when you have sex, like emotionally, mm. right? Like yeah. the only reason you didn't, when you were out, like, you know, flitting about with people is because, which by the way, I always wished I could be that girl. So, you know, <laughs> good on you in it's that regard. definitely not all that it's uh, cracked out to me. <laughs> I, I would always like do the like one night stand to be like, I'm not going to get attached. This is just for fun. Da, 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 da. And then it's like two days later, I'm like, fuck, why hasn't he called me? You know, like, oh, uh, anyway. But that all said, like, you could do that because you do know how to shut your emotions off during sex, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but, and, and look, like sex just for sex, you can totally have in a secure partnership. It's not always going to be like a cry fest when you have sex, right? <laughs> but especially if you're having sex with someone who you do feel safe with in general, like you do with your partner, right? Mm-hmm. There's a higher chance it's going to bring out those emotions. And maybe that's mm-hmm. what you're subconsciously avoiding and wanting to get close to him. But mm-hmm. I think that like, if you can allow yourself to push past, like knowing it's good for you, knowing it's uncomfortable, knowing it's scary, but that like you actually feel connected on the other end of it, Mm. you know, like I think that is amazing and perfect and something right at your fingertips, you know? And like, Mm. I'm not saying to like, say like, okay, babe, let's go have sex because I need to cry. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I, I mean, I'm not like, again, like it's not about forcing it. Yes. But like all growth in any regard, like no matter who we are, growth is uncomfortable. Mm. In general, our brains like things that are familiar. Mm. And I mean, it's even as basic as, you know, in school when we would always go to the same class and sit in the same spot, right? Like Mm. humans are creatures of habit. We like what's Mm. familiar. So anything that feels different can be scary, especially when it's on this level, you know? Mm. Mm. But in these moments of resistance that you feel, it, to me, like that's the, the growth edge, they call it, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the up. Uh, if I push past this, if I can just push myself, it's like, even just like when you're exercising and you're building muscles, right? Like you mm-hmm. have to push past the discomfort a bit to realize on the other side, it's actually not as bad as I thought. In fact, it's actually better than I thought. And mm-hmm. I kind of like it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause would you say in those moments when you did let yourself like cry and like get that, all that craziness out or like those intense feelings, mm-hmm. You said that was the most connected you'd ever felt to your mm. partner, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's I suppose, a bit of a catch-22 because this idea of pushing through it is what I had previously done in la- pr- like previous relationships, but in a negative sense, being like, I'm in such physical discomfort having sex with my partner because we were doing it when I didn't want to, when I wasn't ready, like all of these things. So I previously have pushed through it through it in a unsafe way emotionally that to now be like oh we're just gonna flick this switch and be like yeah you still have to push through it it's like well actually I told myself I'm never going to do that again so it's kind of this yeah like I I know that I have to really try to do something uncomfortable but this time it is emotionally uncomfortable because it is loving and it's emotionally uncomfortable because it's connected versus being uncomfortable because I feel like I'm doing something that I don't want to do because of other reasons. So yeah, it's, again, it's that, that logic. I know I'm going like into my brain, but I think sometimes in my body, it's not registering that these are two different 
scenarios. Yeah, I hear you. I do. Mm. And I certainly don't want you to force yourself. Like, I'm not telling you to ignore your need. No, no, or no. I totally get that. Yeah. Having sex <laughs> when you're uncomfortable is awful. And I don't want you to feel at least physically discomfort, you know, uncomfortable. Mm. Emotionally, I kind of want you to feel uncomfortable yes. a little bit. But, yes. That's <laughs> but, and, and I think that's the differentiation. Yeah. It's like, well, previously before it was physically and emotionally uncomfortable because I was doing something I didn't want to do versus now it's emotionally and maybe only slightly physically uncomfortable because I'm pushing towards something that I want because it's like that emotional connection. And yes, I definitely do differentiate the two, but at the same time, it's like, dang it, all this fucking pushing, like we should just, <laughs> was easier. Yeah. I, I hear you. And yeah, I think, you know, it's not going to be, it's like managing expectations for both you and your boyfriend, mm. right? Like this is something, you know, you want to work on, mm. but it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So it's kind of setting the stage for like knowing, okay, I do want to work on this. I want to be able to feel more emotionally close to you and to myself, right? Like this is an mm. overall process that I'm sure he knows you're on that road. You're working mm. with this other lady, you know, it's a, it's just a part of it. It's just a piece of it, you know? And mm. it's this kind of balance between, you know, pushing yourself, like, let's say you do, you've decided, okay, I do want to have sex with him today. Right. And you guys are in that moment when you feel yourself getting emotional, that's when I want you to push yourself. Mm. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And, and let yourself like feel whatever comes up and, and let him know, like, this is the practice that I'm trying to do. And, you know, you already know he's going to hold you in that space, but reiterating to him, like, this is really hard for me. And in those moments, like, I'm, I don't know what's going to come out. It could be this crazy rage that I'm not ready for. It could be, you know, crying. It could be just a mix of things. I am mm. scared of what's on the other side of that, but I want to be able to experience that with you. Mm. So when I'm in that space, like, just can you be there for me in whatever way I need? That might mean I need to go out of the room for a hot second because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I need my space, right? Like, mm. and that's the thing is going back to the decision-making thing is I think mm. that it's going to be really, really important for you to feel like the decisions you're making are coming from you, mm. you yeah. know, meaning not having sex just because he wants to, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that's like this tricky space because it's like, well, I want to push myself more to be close to him and I want to have sex more. It's like when you feel extreme resistance to having sex because you're in a certain space, like, you know, you could try doing it anyway and seeing how you feel. And if it's just like, I can't do, like, this is not what I yeah, need. Yeah, that's not a good time. <laughs> yeah, or, or it's like so extreme that you're like, I don't even want to try. Like, listen mm -hmm. to those things, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, have that discussion with him, which I'm sure he'll be supportive based on everything you say. Like he must understand on a certain level when you need space, you need space, right? Mm. That is how you process. Like you mm. process by taking that space away. And whether that means like going out of the house for a little while or going in another room or just thinking about things on your own, you know, I don't know if you journal, but a lot of times we're able to process on a more subconscious level when we're writing things out, like physically with our hand or even just journaling on the computer. Like, I know it sounds really mm -hmm. basic. There is like some connection with our brain that when we actually are writing, sometimes feelings that we don't know about or expect emerge. And so mm -hmm. that might be good for you to basically honor your need for space because that is how you process, but also being communicative enough with him to let him know mm -hmm. that. But Ultimately, I think it's it's these things and, and practicing this on a daily basis, mm -hmm. I think, 
you know, if you continue to work on feeling more secure with your feelings and in your relationship in and of yourself, knowing that it's not going to change overnight, right? Mm. The thing with avoidant people is that because vulnerability feels unsafe, there's a lot of tendency to idealize the past or project fantasies or worry onto the future, to worry Mm -hmm. about the future, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because intimacy and feeling vulnerable and connected to someone like these ways that you've talked about with your partner, they're very present, right? They're in the present moment that you're actually connecting. It's a very Mm -hmm. visceral present feeling and avoidant people tend to avoid that feeling, right? So Mm. you, you kind of find ways to keep yourself out of the present moment. Mm. Yeah, totally. And so that's why it manifests in this fear of, well, I don't know what a family is going to be like, and I don't know if I want that and da, 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 da. And so that's why I was saying in the beginning, trying to like trust, which is again, going to be uncomfortable and not easy, but like, like I'm making the decision to be with my partner today because I believe this is best for me right now. Mm. And I don't know what the future is necessarily going to bring, but like kind of thinking about like, what is the worst that could happen, right? Like the worst that could happen is that you guys move in together and get married and have babies and get divorced. Right. Mm. Which like, of course, no one wants. Right. But like, would you survive that? Mm. You probably would survive it. Right. Like you'd be okay. You know? Yeah. Mm. So it's really just that intellectual idea of it because you're disconnected from the feeling of it, that it's scary because you Mm. have no context for it, you know? And I know that it's easier said than done again to just say like, well, I'm not going to think about that, but it's getting in the habit of reprogramming your brain to focus on how I feel right now. How do Mm -hmm. I feel right now? And you might not be able to say exactly how you feel right now, but it's just continuously checking in with yourself on Mm -hmm. the little decisions like, what do I want to eat for dinner? You know, what do I want to wear today? You know, Mm -hmm. like make, make them less emotionally charged decisions that aren't so emotionally charged. But I think that for you to want to sleep with your boyfriend, I think a lot of it comes from you feeling like you have the autonomous choice. Mm. If we're, especially like if we're talking about intimacy in the bedroom being that kind of like metaphor for the whole relationship, right? Like mm. I think it's feeling like you don't have control because you're just going with the flow. So no decisions are coming from you. And mm-hmm. so then it's like, well, all, my whole life is just a whim of like what other people want, you know, and like your feelings in that scenario are not being acknowledged even with yourself, you know? Mm. So I think it's it's really getting back to, like, I have to be able to be in control of my feelings and my choices, even in just a, on a small way to start, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and as I get used to mastering making these little decisions, it's going to get easier and easier and easier. And then these big decisions, I think, are going to, like, ideally not feel as big mm-hmm. because that safety will have been built up with your partner. And so then when, you know, the idea is to get to a place where when you picture your future, it's not a question because you're picturing it with him and you're excited about it because you know what to expect from that specific thing. So it's Mm. not like the overarching idea of marriage or the overarching idea of kids, because that's just like, you know, this distant idea in your head that you have no grounding for. What you do have grounding for is your feelings with him and Mm. what you know you would get from him. Right. And if you know that he will meet your needs, meaning if he will honor your need for space, 
if he will be patient with you in figuring out how you feel and try not to take it personally, you know, if he can honor that in you, then your needs will continue to be met by him. Mm. And, and if you can do the same for him to reassure him, like, I love you, but I'm just learning to process and I need to step away for a minute or, you know, like he would really needs the reassurance. That's why I said, be honest with him about the million dollar thing. Cause I think that that'll make him feel really good. And those kinds of encouraging statements regularly will make him feel more secure and less like if he feels triggered, whether he's anxious or secure, like in the moments where you're not present, they won't bother him as much because you'll have like padded it with all this reassurance. Mm -hmm. And so then you'll feel less triggered when you have to take that space or that Mm -hmm. emotional space. It's definitely something that I've been like actively working on. The other day I was talking with my friend and I was like, oh, I, I think I'd really like to go buy myself some flowers. And so I was like, okay, that's a decision that I've made. And then when I was out actually looking at flowers, I was like, I'm not even interested in any of these things, but the idea of actually figuring out the need felt so much more nourishing. And then on top of that, being able to be like, well, this is something that I previously thought I wanted, but it's okay for me to change my mind. Like, I think just that process of identifying, actioning something, and then being able to feel into how I'm feeling when I'm following up on that, Mm -hmm. that just as a practice feels really, really supportive. And also working with this lady, she was like, cause I was like, I don't, I don't even know beyond the most bare basic needs of, you know, having a safe home and food and water. I don't even know what other needs could be. Like I literally couldn't even think of them. And she's just like, well, maybe do a bit of crowdsourcing. (laughs) So I did. So I messaged a few friends and I was just like, Hey, this might sound really silly, but can you tell me what your needs are? Cause I'm really drawing a blank here. And just like seeing that feedback of, you know, some of my friends were like, well, I need to have a, a, a room in my house that I can be creative, or I need to wake up with the sunrise, or I need to have a coffee first thing in the morning, just having some of those examples to be like, well, that's something I think I could try. And going through that process of being like, it was funny because I was like, maybe I'll give it a shot of waking up with the sunrise. So I asked my partner, I was like, can we, can we sleep with the blinds open? He's like, no, I want them shut. And I was just, I noticed how automatically I was like, oh, that's okay. Well, don't worry about it. Now that was silly. Like, oh gosh, no, Mm. silly me. Like, I can't believe I wanted to blah, blah, blah. And I just like noticed how I automatically shut it down. And I was like, fucking hell like just it's not a big deal like just ask for it and say why because I didn't even explain to him why I was like oh I kind of just it would be nice like it's not a big deal but like don't worry about it but like I just would really like to sleep with the blind open and we got into this stupid argument about it and I was like fuck's sake I'm working really hard on trying to express my needs like just give me this fucking win and then we slept with the blinds open and he's like oh it actually wasn't that bad and I was like okay we are real yeah I was like I I know that I have to rewire my brain around this stuff and it's not going to be straightforward but like even the process of not yet figuring out something that I needed and then being able to communicate that to somebody else oh that was an effort and a half and 
being able to stand in that and be like, actually, no, like I need this and this is going to be a non-negotiable and I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to just be like, oh, whatever you want, that's totally fine, like blah, blah, blah. Like that in itself is, I don't think I have like ever really done that. Like and the times in the past where I have done that, I have like been discounted or like dismissed or whatever it is. So it's, yeah, I just feel like even though I'm like almost 30, there's just so many of these basic things that I have never really looked at or I've never really thought about before. I've never really like explored. And I was like, oh my God, imagine if somebody told me about this when I was like 20 or like 13. Like, and obviously like I probably at the time would be like, ah, oh, stupid needs. Like, blah, blah, blah. like <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like, have been, that's a problem. I wouldn't have been ready. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't care then. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You have to um, suffer and- <laughs> to appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I do think the stuff should be taught in school. One of my goals in life is like interpersonal <laughs> relationships and feelings. Like, oh my God, students need it. Like, especially ones who are coming from homes where they're never going to be taught it, you know, like, yeah. I mean, most, which is most of us, you know, mm. asking for our needs is one of the hardest things ever because we do associate like needing stuff with weakness, right? That's like yeah. our, our judgments and on our ourselves and it keeps us from saying it, but it's so liberating like when Mm. you actually do it Mm. and like, I'm so glad you pushed yourself. Like that's a good example of pushing yourself. Right. Mm. And I was going to say like, I, I think it's a thing in all relationships. Like you're either always arguing about temperature or light (laughs) (laughs) because I like things dark and my Mm. husband likes the light and Mm. he likes things cold and I like things hot. And I'm like, these are the biggest problems in our relationship, which is great if those are our biggest problems. But I have like, Uh, a whole basket of night masks next to my bed (laughs) because even after getting blackout curtains, it's still not dark enough for me in the morning. Oh my God, that's so funny. So like, I think maybe your partner just needs a bunch of masks and then you can sleep with the shades open. (laughs) There's compromise, you know, that's compromise, (laughs) but you have to say it in order to get there. And so I'm glad you (laughs) pushed yourself with him in that regard. And I would totally encourage you to keep doing that. (laughs) I really think you trying to journal, like, five minutes a day, which like, there are going to be days when you're like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. That's the last thing I want to (laughs) do. Like if you can push yourself in that way, like set a timer five to 10 minutes. Like Mm -hmm. I'd just be very curious to know, like, do you enjoy the process? Is it getting you in touch with your feelings about things anymore? Like, it's just a free, write. Like you literally write whatever comes to your head. Like, I don't know what the fuck to say today. I don't, you know, know how I'm feeling, blah, 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 blah. But it's just like continuously trying to get in touch with that question in your head of like, What do you want to do right now? What do you feel Mm -hmm. like? What do you, and like leaving space and leaving room and time for the answer, Mm -hmm. you know? So those are all great examples of needs. Like, especially like I need a space to myself for this or like I need, you know, like I know my husband needs his alone time to go like watch TV and play his video games. And I need my time to just like work and not be interrupted, you know? In addition to that, though, like those needs can get really specific depending on who we are, right? But there are some basic needs that like every human needs. Mm. And so I like to think of a baby when describing this because the babies cry for like a few different reasons. It's usually because they're tired, so they need sleep or they need to be changed or they need to eat. Those are the three main reasons babies cry. But Mm. sometimes a baby's just crying because they need attention, right? Mm. And so it's really that we need on a basic level, we need acknowledgement. Mm. So that means acknowledgement of our physical needs, right? Like of our comfort, that you're okay, that you're not too hungry, that you're not too cold, that, you know, all these basic physical things. 
but also acknowledgement of how we feel acknowledgement that our feelings are valid acknowledgement that whatever's going on in us, whether we can describe a feeling or not, my process is valid. And that's the thing is that when you go to people, which in the past with your family, for example, when you were trying to express needs of yours, what you were looking for in going to them was acknowledgement, right? Like at the Mm -hmm. most core level, you wanted them to be able to see this feeling of yours, validate it and say like, that's okay that you're feeling that way. Let me, it didn't even matter what they said after that, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's more that they're not going to get defensive or tell you that the needs are unnecessary, that they're not important. And Mm -hmm. when you're told that enough times, you internalize it. And you start Mm -hmm. to actually feel like my need is not important. And Mm -hmm. so you stop seeking that acknowledgement from people because it gives them a power over you, right? Like you said, you're very particular about the people you'll actually express these things with because you don't want to give your power away. It's not safe, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like that is the most basic thing is that when you are in a situation with your partner or anyone else where you're feeling like, that constricted feeling, it's usually because there's a need that isn't being acknowledged. And so, or a feeling that's not being acknowledged, like maybe you don't feel like you can say out loud, I'm afraid to move in with you because I don't know if I actually want a family, right? Like maybe that Mm -hmm. feels scary to say to your partner because you don't want him to feel bad or push him away, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, that is what you need acknowledged, that it's okay to feel that way. Do Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And by not sharing it with him, you're not able to get that need met. So it's like, how can you let him know when you're not in a triggered state, when you're in a high like you are right now? Look, these are all the things. And and it sounds like you're doing this already, but like to continue doing it, like, you know, in those moments, there might be moments when I get afraid of this. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily because I don't want it, but like I need to go slow with this stuff and you buying Mm -hmm. a house triggers me because it feels like we're moving fast and it's not because I don't want it. So like, I'm going to move into this house with you, but I need you to know, like I need to go slow because this stuff freaks me out. And Mm -hmm. if I can get that need met, like if you can acknowledge that in me and be okay with it, then it actually diffuses that intensity and it feels, starts feeling a little safer. And Mm -hmm. then it ends up being like, you're the one deciding it because you're not making the choice out of fear that he's going to not want to be with you because you don't want to move in with him or fear that you're, you know what I mean? Like going down the Mm. wrong path. Is this all like, Mm. yeah. Cause I think when I kind of get in those low moments, I have Mm. a really hard time differentiating between, well, is it, actually that I don't want to be in this relationship or am I just having a low moment? Like I find it really hard to kind of be like, is this feeling going to pass? Because this feeling periodically seems to come up in cycles. Like we'll go through a cycle of being so affectionate and loving and I can picture the rest of my life with him. And then I'll kind of cycle down to being like, you know, we, we argue and not even argue, but just like bicker and I'll be like, well, I don't want to be tied down and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I feel like I make big decisions in this low point 
And then sometimes I get into this space of kind of not even really trusting my feelings Mm -hmm. because I'll be like, well, they're so fleeting sometimes. Like, I don't know whether this is real. Sometimes I find it hard to be like, but is this an accurate reflection of how I feel in the relationship? Do I actually want to break up with this person or am I just in a low point and I'm really struggling and my kind of anxious tendencies are flaring up? Not knowing your partner you know, or your intimate relationship, it's hard for me to say one way or the other, but my inclination knowing this work and based on all the things you've told me about him and how you feel about him Mm. is that it is your avoidance of flaring up. Mm. And I think also because this particular situation of moving into a house that has many rooms, that is made for a family, that that decision hasn't completely come from you, Mm. I think is a trigger for Mm. that feeling, right? In addition, if your partner has anxious tendencies, then that means sometimes your avoidance might trigger him. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but if you're in a space where you can't be present emotionally or you're kind of dismissive, or that can also lead to being critical sometimes because avoidant people get overwhelmed with feelings. Like Mm. process, like big, that's why big things like this house, right? Like they they create overwhelming feelings. And if you have too many feelings at once, it's like, it feels so intense. And since it's hard for you to process emotions, even when they're small, it like, that's where that's coming from, that it like clams mm-hmm. you up, right? And then to try and express that to your partner, right? Who, if he's feeling secure and, and is not triggered by your closing up, then it's fine. But if he has anxious tendencies, that can trigger him because mm-hmm. the an anxious person is afraid of being abandoned. And so when avoidant people clam up like that and get overwhelmed, our fear is to worry we're going to, they're going to leave us. Mm. So I don't know if that, that can lead to bickering. And it can also be that if you're really, if you have a high with your partner and there's a lot of closeness going on, it's very possible you're going to reach a point where it gets overwhelming and Mm. you need to step away. Mm. So I don't know if that can trigger him sometimes if he starts getting resentful when that happens. Mm. Previously, I think when he was triggered, it was a lot more obvious in the sense of he might be like, you know, we haven't had sex in X amount of time and I feel like you haven't really acknowledged that I'm here or the things that I do versus now probably I've like worn him down a little bit in a bad way. Like he just kind of won't really bring it up anymore. So absolutely no doubt he's still feeling it, but he won't. Cause I used to be like, it's not helping me (laughs) to want to be close to you when you keep telling me we haven't been close. Like if anything, that's like putting it just, I picture it like putting a spanner in a machine. It's like, I'm just going to freeze up even more and just feel this pressure and obligation. And that doesn't help. So I 100% reckon that he still gets triggered, but probably just isn't expressing it as often or in the way that he used to. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. And someone has to be in each situation, someone who's going to, especially with this dynamic, be the one to say like, okay, I'm going to be patient with this person right now. Right. If he does have anxious tendencies again, though, And if he's secure, it might be a little different. I know secure people get this way too, but like anyone really, when you're not expressing yourself regularly, it can build resentment. And so it's just noticing where the bickering's coming from, like when it's Mm. happening, it might Mm. be in relation to someone doesn't get their needs met, meaning like 
if you have been with him and you feel overwhelmed because you've been so close for a while and then you need space, that's your need. Your need is for mm. that space. And so if he doesn't want to give it to you or if he feels resentful with you taking it and then, you know what I mean? It starts to spiral. Yes. Mm. So it's kind of bringing awareness to that pattern. And, and the key to everyone feeling happy is getting your needs met. And what's hard about avoidant and anxious people, again, you know, it might be different if he's secure, but is that your needs sometimes conflict. Yes, absolutely. Right? Mm. Whereas you need the space, he needs the reassurance, and you're not present. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's just really like all the things you're doing are right in the sense that like you have to just keep getting clear on what each of you need. That means being as honest as you can in those moments and respecting that you're going to need different things sometimes. Mm. But that if you're both given those things from each other, it tends to quiet the problems more mm. and, you know, figuring out how you can meet those needs on a regular basis with each other, even when they're small. And, mm. and, and that's as ba- basic as acknowledging, like, this is how I feel right now, but it's you being able to push past and express those needs mm. so that he knows what they are and vice versa. You yes, know? Totally. Yeah. And like the reason his needs might feel so big sometimes, like I need to be close, I need to be close is because he's been holding it in for so long. So yes. by the time he expresses it, it feels really big and overwhelming for you. Mm. So trying to do it every single day, like I said, like being really present, I think it's like this slow, like learning to ride a bike. Yeah, but I I feel like you guys have a good solid foundation. And I honestly think that you would be going through this in any partnership like this, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because I keep thinking like, what is the common denominator of every relationship where I've wanted to break up with them? And it's like, ah, yes, it is little old me. Like, this is exactly that. I'm like, well, I could be in this loving relationship where I feel so safe and I am with somebody who wants to work on it. And like, like it's such a, even on a selfish level to be like, this is the perfect container to be mm-hmm. working on some of these personal things. And I know that it will positively impact the both of us. Or I could be when I'm in those low points and I'm like, I just want to be single, or maybe it's another relationship that's going to be more fulfilling. Like I have absolutely no doubt I would be doing the exact same things in another relationship anyway. Yeah. And, and like, look, sometimes we're not ready for that relationship that's going to really like even if you moved on from him, maybe there is someone who at that time you're in more of the space to deal with it, but you seem like you're in the space now. And mm. the thing is you've had the opportunity to go and be single and eventually you come back, right? Mm. So yeah. that says to me that you do want this because you did choose it when you came mm. back to him. And that was the importance of you guys having that break. Mm. It goes back to your decision-making. You had the opportunity because you broke up to then decide, I want to go back with him, right? Like Mm. you have to make that active decision since you'd already broken up. Mm. And so I do think like this is what you want. Everything you talk about and the way you talk about him, it does feel like you want this. It's just, it's going to have to come with you working through this stuff in Mm. any, if if a relationship is what you want. Or you can Mm. go and say, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. I'm going to go travel around the world and sleep with whoever I want. But again, I think you would have done that already if you wanted to, mm. you had the mm. chance, you know? Mm. And I have done that. <laughs> like I have had those times of traveling and sleeping around and like all that sort of stuff. But I know it's such a, it's kind of like junk food. Like it's, 
it feels a good way to put it. Yeah, like great at the time. And you're like, fuck yeah, it's like this is yum, McDonald's every day. Like, but it in no way feels like nourishing to my soul. And yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I used a fast food metaphor to describe relationships. No, that, that is um, so yeah. perfect because it's true. It's not nourishing to your soul. And that's why yeah. it's not fulfilling, you yes. know. And there are some people who tell themselves it's fine. And and some people are actually okay with it and it's fine Mm, but like humans in general are built to connect we are wired to connect so Mm. that is a real desire for you it's just more challenging because you weren't taught how to do it so it doesn't come naturally for you anymore you know what I mean Mm. but your nature wants you to connect so like it is in there it's just like unlearning all these things that made you feel like it was unnatural and it Mm. doesn't mean that you're gonna just suddenly become this like overly lovey, touchy person. Like that's probably (laughs) not in your future, but it's just understanding like what tools help me, what ways of thinking help me to be more at ease with this. And like, Mm. how do I express my needs? And, you know, it's it's really just a matter of managing it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that you can feel less triggered or less worried by it. Because women in general, like hormonally, we have waves of highs and lows you know? Mm. So like, that's going to happen. You're going to have the low points, but like, okay, now that I'm doing this, like, like you said, like when I'm in in that moment, how do I not go into the, should I be in this relationship? Should I like get to a point where like, okay, I know what's happening to me right now. I know I'm feeling triggered. What can I do about it? What is my need? And always going back down to, and like, if the word need gets confusing, uh, another way I like to talk about it is what do I feel comfortable with right now? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really like going back to like, temperature or lights being a comfort, right? Like those are just very basic comforts. It's kind of like that, like an emotional need is very similar. What Mm. am I going to need to feel emotionally comfortable right now? Mm. You know? Yeah. And I think it's hard as well, because I suppose like one of the qualities that I love about myself is that I am very adaptable and like especially sort of in the areas of work that I have worked in, like having to need to be adaptable and okay with things changing and being in discomfort. And like, I feel like that's a skill that I've really honed. So to go from having that drilled into me for the last 10 years to then being like, well, actually I need to almost do the opposite of that and say like, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I I need something quite specific. It feels almost sometimes counterintuitive Mm -hmm. to what I'm used to. And I know that, like, I think a part that is actually also very helpful is to be like, well, some of these things are just habits. Some of these things are Mm -hmm. just things that I've done so many times. They're not like innate qualities in me in the, like, in the sense of like, being adaptable is just something that I've practiced so many times. So being really clear with my needs is something that I can absolutely get down pat because I can practice it a lot. And I know that that's something possible for me. So that does give me some reassurance, but it's like, it it is tricky because it's like, well, I've, I've been working on this needs thing, like maybe <laughs> 50 times versus the opposite of that of, almost not having needs I've practiced that millions of times so the rational side of me is like it only makes sense that this is hard now but it's not like impossible like I know that I have the capacity to build this skill but I suppose in the context of relationships as well 
is again like rewiring that kind of idea of what a relationship is supposed to look like in in the way of me previously thinking like for a relationship to be right it has to be effortless and it has to be smooth and there's no road bumps and like if there is then that means you're not meant to be together it means it's not working like my yeah it is (laughs) a shitty lie that we're told (laughs) but then we're also taught sorry (laughs) I was just gonna say we're also taught the opposite myth which is Hmm. it takes work relationships are work yes and that's the other thing and it's like well how much work is too much work like if we're working on this so hard is that actually like that's the story that I kind of I kind of question as well it's like well we're working so hard on this and we still come up against the same things is that also an indication that maybe it's just not right like if you're having to work on these things so consistently then is that not a red flag but is that sort of like a marker or an indication that maybe it's just not right Like that's the story that I really find challenging as well. I can understand that. And I think that when we do express our needs and you can see some sort of shift, some sort of acknowledgement from that person, right? Because you said that the first version of your relationship was pretty different from your current iteration of it, right? Mm. Which says to me that progress has been made, Mm. you know? Totally. And I think that particularly for people with avoidant tendencies, all intimate relationships are going to feel like more work to you. Mm. To me, relationships shouldn't be the kind of work where you're never happy or where you you just feel like nothing is changing. There's no progress being made. And so, you know, that might be an indication it's not the right thing. But if you even see like these minuscule little, you know, indications that there's growth, mm-hmm. even with like the shade thing, you know, like I want the sunlight in mm-hmm. and he is able to adjust to that, you know, like it might seem small, but it's significant because he's hearing you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you want to look for. Am I being heard? Am I being acknowledged? Are my needs mm-hmm. being met? And, and that's, what's going to make the relationship feel easier when you guys know what those things are. The reason it's hard with you both is because if you have conflicting needs sometimes that's going to feel hard but that would probably feel that way with anybody who has that kind of attachment style so Mm -hmm. I think the fact that he has like some security is really good for you Mm -hmm. that is what you need and is going to be nourishing for you but it's just if he feels triggered and he tends to get anxious when he's triggered then that's when it's going to feel harder you Mm -hmm. know but I think that with you working towards feeling more secure too like you doing this work, I think that in this relationship, it's going to show as it has continued to, it's just going to be slow. Yeah. You know, but I do think like, it's kind of, can we get to a place where we feel mostly good and and we mostly, because yeah, little things are going to come up all the time, but you want to see progress. It's like all the myths that just like get us all <laughs> fucked up and got to unlearn them all and just like believe and trust our own feelings and experience is what it really comes yeah. down to. And just mm-hmm. brutal honesty, you know, is the best thing you guys can both do for each other. Mm. You know? Yeah, totally. I'm proud of you. I hope that doesn't sound condescending, <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, I am, I am like, and just, I know this is going to sound horrible, but this is my own my own triggering, like my own, my own past, like trauma of like, I wasn't sure if you were going to show up today. 
<laughs> because I'm used to being ghosted by avoided people. And like, that's the truth. And so I was so happy that you are still wanting to record. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been really a pleasure to chat with you and just hear about it from your experience. You know, I know it's like, doesn't sound that fun all the time, but like, you really are like, it, it's a, it says a lot about you that like, you're working with a lady and that you're like actively trying to understand this about yourself, you know? Mm, yeah. So keep just like in your head, like one of those habits, like you were saying, like I can change my habits. You absolutely can. And it's all starts with awareness and this mm. is all that awareness. So like, you know, just be gentle with yourself in the coming days as, and just be that observer, just observe your actions, your feelings, like, and try not to, feel the pressure to come to conclusions about anything, mm-hmm. you know, let that's part of the journaling is just observing what you're noticing. And I mm-hmm. think slowly over time, it'll start to make sense. Yeah. Can I say it has been, so we're, we're renovating um, and we've already started the renovations and it's just funny because what I thought would have created more separation. So I thought having to make all these decisions and this, the stress of moving and renovating at the same time, I thought would have kind of caused a little bit more friction or fracture has surprisingly, and I know it's kind of only been a week that we've been going through this process. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's actually like brought us so much closer because I'm so funny, but I'm just like, dang, he looks good when he's like (laughs) up a ladder doing all this shit and like doing all these hot (laughs) shady things. And I'm like, Oh, like that's, I was like, I can, I can picture being, getting physically intimate and it not being terrifying because this is great as a turn on. But also like, you know, he has been expressing to me, like, cause I like one of my love languages is like words of affirmation. And he has just been saying like, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for what you've been doing. I love your help. You're doing a great job. Like all of this feedback has really been so like, I really didn't expect it. And I think he's been making a a real effort to express back to me sort of what I've been doing and I've been trying to do the same thing to him but then also on top of that like I was almost in tears last night because we had a burst water pipe and it was pissing out everywhere it was like a travesty and maybe a few years ago we would have been having a blowout argument about it but he just went into action mode I tried my best his dad came over and just having like that support, like his parents and his family have been so supportive, like having that around, I could not have anticipated how, and I hate the word healing, but like how healing that has been to have reliable people and like having people to call and having that support, like I'm getting emotional just talking about it, but I would never have anticipated that. Like having that, yeah, just, oh my God, I could have literally just thrown my arms around his dad when he got there, just being like, I've never had this before in my life. Just having people there to help and not asking for anything in return and not like hanging it over my head and all that sort of stuff. Like it is if anything, the thing that I didn't think I wanted has actually brought us so much closer together. And yeah. Okay. I have two comments. One, maybe 
he should do more stuff around the house and you'll want to have sex more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like <laughs> he took his top off and he was sweating. And I was like, there is sit, there is like dust everywhere and you're glistening and you've got this tool belt on and your shorts. I was like, God damn it. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Like, oh my God. Just tell him he needs to walk around like a handyman all the time and you will always want to have sex with him. Like that's, oh my that's God, clearly so the funny. answer here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's, but we solved one problem. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, though, that I want to reflect back to you mm. is that that feeling you were just talking about that almost brought you to mm. tears about feeling supported and mm. that reassurance that things are going to be taken care of, like mm. that is closeness. And that mm. is what families are for. Mm. And if you can hang on to that feeling or like, mm. again, journal about it or write it down or like there's actually a process that I do with clients called anchoring where mm. we create like a physical point on your body that's unique and we mm. tie it to specific, very visceral memories so that when you want to feel anchored or grounded in a specific feeling, you turn mm. back to that point on your body and it brings up those feelings immediately. And like, if we were working together, I would totally create an anchor for you around that mm. feeling so that when you start thinking about the future and families and stuff, that is what you're creating. That is what you're leading yourself towards, you know, mm. like that very grounded visceral feeling that you have now, you know, mm. and do you see the difference between that feeling and that random thought in your head about what a generic family is supposed mm. to look like? right? Mm, like absolutely. it feels different, right? Because that mm. is a very specific feeling that you can relate to and that is mm. in your body, right? And mm. we can make our families whatever we choose to make them these days. You know, yes, we are born into families, but the cool thing about choosing a partner is that it's a choice. Mm. And more than anything for you, I want you to feel like this is a choice you're making and that you know you're making for yourself and that you're sure mm. about. You know, so whatever can re encourage that for you or reaffirm that for you, like that's another thing to just pay attention to is the things that I'm enjoying, like you just said, like, and that's part of the point of writing them down. So you can look back and be like, wait a minute, this is my choice. This is what I want. And I might not be able to picture the future or like, you know, it's, it's not comparing it to other people's families. It's just what can I create with this person? These are my needs. These are the things I want. And just continuing to like remind yourself of that in those moments. So mm. yeah. And, and the things like you're doing with him where you both are, I kind of call it like preventative care. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, when we take care of ourselves, you have a higher chance of not getting disease. Right. So it's the same thing in relationships. Like when you guys are saying those positive things to each other, that feedback, like I would let him know if you haven't already, like, I really appreciate that feedback. Like mm. that motivates me to want to interact more and like both continue encouraging each other. It's like you're putting in that, that cushion of feeling good, of, of safety, of trust, of all that. So that when things get harder, mm. it's like you have this space to turn back to, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, totally. That like really shiny space with the dust flying and, and his <laughs> sweat and stuff, like <laughs> that magical space. <sighs> Yeah. In the living room. Cool. <laughs> well, it was really awesome speaking with you today. Mm, thank you so much. It's been very enjoyable and not terrifying at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you got a lot out of our episode today, I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll spend the time talking just like my guest and I did getting you clear on what's blocking you from having the relationship you really want. 
All you have to do to book this free call is hop over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab. And you'll see the option to book your clarity call right there at the top. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you could rate and review it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore to stay up to date with tons of love and attachment information, resources, and offerings. You can also take my free attachment quiz that you can find both on my website and my Instagram page. All right, I think that's all for now. So until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.